So I'm Pastor Jim. I'm one of the pastors here. If you're looking for Bruce, I think he's working in the kids' ministry this morning because he wanted a break. Uh, <laughs> So um, it is, you know, how many of you would want to stand up here and deliver a message? Anybody? Yeah, like two or three. There's not very many. It's, it's kind of rare. And I think people imagine that the hard part is the standing up here and delivering. You kind of get used to that. Public speaking is a skill. A lot of people public speak. What is really um, kind of the intense part of, of being a speaker, of, you know, preparing a sermon is the preparation, is the figuring out what you're going to talk about, studying it, really trying hard to, to pull out exactly what the Scripture is saying instead of what you want it to say, and organizing it in a way that people will understand and take something with them. That'll change their lives. And so there's a lot on the line, and we're thinking about that when we prepare all week long. And so uh, heading into Christmas, which is kind of an intense season, Pastor Bruce was hoping for just a little bit of a break, and so I get to be here and I appreciate you listening um, and tuning in. I love the Christmas season. Isn't this a festive, awesome-looking place that we get to share together? There's a uh, live feed screen in the back now. It looks like, you know, looks like a professional broadcast for anybody you would see on any TV station. It's amazing. And uh, I just love it. I love it in here. I like going to look for lights and uh, finding good light displays and I love the house decorated, and I just love everything about Christmas. I still got a little bit of a boyish enthusiasm about it. And, um, but of course, more than anything, I just love what Jesus means to us and to the world uh, during, during Christmas time. It's just amazing to be participating in the life of Christ ever, but it just kind of magnifies at Christmas. So it's good to be with you here this morning and able to talk to you about something that I think is really great to know and experience, and we all can because of Jesus Christ, and that's peace in a troubled time. I had coffee with a good friend of mine. We have coffee all the time, usually after a bike ride, and I was talking about how, if I could, I would go back to high school in a minute. Uh, I went to Ocean View High School, go Seahawks, yep, woo, and, um, and uh, graduated in 1982, so it's been a little while, and I really liked high school. Now, I know the opinions are mixed in here, so I won't survey because I don't want to hear any groans from those of you who didn't like high school. But I really liked it. I had a good time. And well, why? Here's why. Really, there was no problems. When I think about it, you know, I didn't have bills to pay. I didn't have work stress. You know, I had a little bit of school stuff, but I was on sports teams. I got to go to games. I got to play in games, go to dances, hang out with friends. High school was amazing. And uh, maybe you don't feel that way. But adulthood, on the other hand, man, you know, it's just it's one confrontation of a problem after another. You wake up in the morning, you're stiff and sore. <laughs> you got, immediately, you got to solve problems, right? And then, you know, and then we just kind of go the day solving problems. Uh, your spouse needs a favor, solve a problem. Read the news. Piles of problems. You got a dog? Or really any pet, but if you're solving problems, thing needs out at 2.30 in the morning. I don't know, all kinds of things. You work a job. What do you do all day long at your job? I'll tell you what you do. You solve problems. That's what you do all day long. Maybe you golf. I don't know what your problem is because all you do there is solve problems. And when you're done, 
you're not happy about it. The ball never went straight enough, never went, never went far enough. It's just one big series of problems. And you feel it. That's, you know, we all feel it. We, we have the bills. We have the problems. We watch the news. And don't look now. It's an election year. And maybe you play golf. We're just playing around. And then around us, the world can seem anything but, but peaceful. Major cities are in disarray. They're crime-ridden. Our government, it's hard to see if they're competent or not. The economy is shaky. Social media is on fire. The war, there's a war in the Middle East. There's instability on virtually every single continent. And it can be hard to find peace in the world. Because I'm not even talking very specifically about the personal things that we might go through. And so life is just filled with problems. One problem after another. Not that that's all it is, but there are a lot of them. And then the future can be uncertain too. You think about your future. And people think about things like retirement and financial stability and rest and all the kind of things that go with that. But just in a world that seems like it's kind of somewhat, if not very chaotic in places, it's hard to know. And you know, I don't know if you've noticed, but for generations, people are anticipating some kind of cataclysmic event in the world. Like, how's the world going to end? Remember Jane Dixon, people around my age? You know, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but like Godzilla, there's a new one out. It's about the cataclysmic possibilities of a world that's just going to be destroyed somehow. Well, the Bible isn't silent about our future. And it does tell us that if we're Christian people, we are going to be raptured. We're going to be instantaneously removed from this world because we know Jesus Christ and he's coming for his church. He's coming for his bride. But what follows that for those who do not know Jesus Christ is a thing the Bible calls a tribulation. And it's a wrath like none, ever, none other has ever been experienced on the earth. It's the direct wrath of God on the planet and on the people who live in it. It's kind of like a final rod of creation for God to turn Israel and the world to Jesus Christ. And there's really bad, awful things going on. So like we talked about in September, the Bible, Jesus Christ predicted and said that right before he comes, certain things would be going on and they would be going on in growing intensity and all at the same time. He talks about wars and rumors of wars. He talks about racial and religious tension. He talks about lawlessness. He talks about earthquakes in various places. And he's saying, hey, look at these things. Don't try to predict when they're coming, but see the signs like an approaching train. You're stuck on the railroad tracks and you see it down there. You can't, what good would it be to do? Well, I predict that thing's going to hit my car. You see the warning and make a move. And what follows the rapture, which if you know Jesus Christ, you're in good shape. The tribulation is seven years of God's wrath, his direct angry wrath on a rebellious planet. Here are just five things the Bible says are the tribulation. I could have shared 10. I could have shared 20. Here are just five. Number one, great earthquakes and darkness. That's really two, but that's the list I took it from. So like great earthquakes and darkness. Uh, there, there's going to be just massive earthquakes. About two and a half weeks ago, there was a rainstorm, kind of a freaky one, and somewhat tropical. There was thunder and lightning going on, and a lightning strike 
must have hit right between the church building and the breezeway because the thunder that followed was so unbelievably loud, I honestly thought a bomb went off across the street. It shook the building. It rattled for what felt like three or four seconds. It was probably a fourth of a second. Women in the office screamed. Nobody knew what was going on for a quick... And it was so brief. This kind of stuff is going to go on for seven years. So great earthquakes and darkness, stars will fall from the sky. The mountains and islands will move. So who knows? Saddleback maybe is noticeably going to be in a different place. The ocean will become blood. Just think about that. We live, by the way, we're privileged to live by the greatest or the largest creation on the planet, the Pacific Ocean. It's huge. I think it's 90,000 square miles. It's enormous. And it's, we live by it. If only that turned red, would anybody be freaked out? I mean, I would be freaked out. Or if I lived here in Orange County, and like, let's say the Bible said, uh, everybody's going to experience the tribulation except for those who live in Orange County. I wouldn't want to watch that anywhere else in the world. And the Bible says that all the water will become blood and that it will become poison. A resource where every single human on the planet is reliant on. And Jesus said, for in those days there will be affliction that was not from the very beginning of the creation which God created until this time, neither shall be. So this can be the worst, most horrible time on the planet. And that's the future that's coming. It could be in a year, it could be in a week, it could be in 10 years. I do not know. But I do know that we can have peace in troubled times. The peace I have as a Christian when it, re when it pertains to the tribulation is that I don't have to be there. I don't have time to preach this sermon, but I have five reasons why I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. If you're interested in that, my email's on the bulletin. I'm pretty sure it still is. It's not hard to find. You can email me, and I will send you what those five reasons are from Scripture. Regardless, some people believe we will be going through the tribulation. If we do, the Bible promises us peace in troubled times. And so we can know this. How many of you have heard the song uh, that goes, it's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. Really? Do you feel fine? <laughs> I mean, that song was written in 1987. That is actually the whole entire title. It's by a band called R.E.M. Do you feel peace? See, here's the thing, what we could know at Christmas time. You can know perfect peace because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Here's what Isaiah 9, 6 says. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. See, I believe, and I'm convinced the Bible teaches, that the only way anyone can know peace is through Jesus Christ. And we're going to learn about this from a, a rather short passage in Romans chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles or can find one in the seat near you, turn with me to Romans 5. And we'll begin in verse 1. Therefore, 
Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So we'll break this down a little bit to find out what it means to have peace with God in troubled times. And I just want to begin by telling you that your, your first and biggest need for peace is with God, is with him personally. You can have peace with God easily, but you have to do it the way he directs us. And we can find it in Jesus Christ first like this. Jesus gives you peace with God legally, which may sound kind of weird, right? A little bit technical, a little bit uh, too much like a, like a law book or something out of a courtroom. And in a certain sense, it is. Because God instituted an eternal law that we're familiar with. It's called the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. You shouldn't make any idols. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. It goes on. Do not lie. Do not steal. Do not covet. And every single human being on the planet has broken that law. And before a holy and just God, who's also a judge, we are offenders. We are criminals. We are fugitives for justice. We need peace with God legally. And what we do, and what I think the human experience is like, very similar to a hilarious scene out of a movie with Chris Farley and David Spade. They're driving down a highway with a just demolished car. It's totally demolished. It's not legal. And they're not necessarily driving right, but then when the sirens and lights go on, Farley has this great idea. He tells Spade, he goes, just follow my lead. And now he starts driving at speed, real erratic, and he's going across lanes, and, he's tra- and he goes, when you get out of the car, yell. He parks in the field, and he starts screaming, bees, bees, bees are all over, bees. And the cops are behind their doors, and looking at him like, I'm not going over there. Me either. I'm allergic. And they yell, they yell back at him, we'll check in with you later. <laughs> and I feel like humanity is dealing with God like they were dealing with those cops. My, my hurts, my hang-ups, my sin. And they're, and they're acting like they shouldn't be paid attention to. Bees, bees, bees. And God says, I'll check in with you later. And he will. And we need to be right with God legally. We've offended a perfect, holy, wonderfully awesome, just God. And here's the thing. 
Jesus paid your debt. You're, you're in that position of offense before that judge, that perfect judge, and Jesus pays your debt. And he tells God, I paid his debt. And he says it's okay. Listen, look at verse 1. First half. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, the word justified, what's the number one rule of Bible study at Crosspoint? Slow down. We don't use that word justified very often. It's not part of our everyday vernacular. Look it up when you read that. And here's what you'll find. It means to render just. It's in the past tense, so it means to have been rendered just. You're guilty before God. Jesus Christ intervenes. God renders you just. Your legal tab is paid in full. You have peace with God legally because of what Jesus Christ does. Look down to verse 6. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good good person one would dare even to die, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, and I just love that passage. That verse tells me that in my deepest, darkest, worst self, Christ loved me anyway and died for me. Since, therefore, because of what Christ did, we have now been justified. There it is again. You've been rendered just. How? By his blood. Not by anything you've done. Not by anything you've experienced. Not by your past not by your pile of sin, not by your good works. There's no interference between you and God now because of Jesus Christ. You are legally whole. You are justified. And the Bible says you have peace with God. Number two, Jesus gives you peace with God relationally. Since we're in the Bible, let's just keep looking at it. Look at the second half of verse 1. Well, we'll just read the whole thing. It makes sense together. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So at some point in our lives, we're not at peace with God. There's a relational break. And because of Jesus Christ, there's a connection. Look down at verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, Look at that word reconciled. Think about what it means. Meditate on it. Look at it in your Google Google, uh, search if you need to. It means that you've been restored to God. That there was an estrangement and you were enemies, but now you're friends. We're reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we now have received reconciliation. And that word shows up basically three times in that little passage. And he's telling us because of Christ, we are relationally restored. And maybe this is you in the room. Or maybe it's the experience that you've had in your past. You've been estranged from somebody. There's a, 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 a brokenness, a barrier that's so strong, you don't even talk to people. And maybe they're in your own family. Maybe it's a son with a mother or a daughter with a dad. Last week for Thanksgiving, a friend of mine from church here went to go see his mom in a different state. And they had been estranged for the last 16 
years. Little to no contact, loads of animosity, fear, doubt, and bitterness, and they were restored. They reconciled, and they went from that gap to hugs and tears and expressions of love, and his wife described it to me as simply this, it was glorious. As glorious as that is, restoring relationally with God is the supreme reconciliation. Jesus wants to bridge that gap for us. He wants us to no longer be enemies with God. But friends, listen. For while, look at verse 10 again. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. How? By the death of his son. We can have peace with God relationally. It's amazing. I'm thankful for it every day. But it doesn't stop there. I think God would be fair. I try to think about sometimes, not in a prideful way, how I would treat the world if I were God. And I honestly think that if I were God, I would say, oh, I saved you. You're on your own now. You know, just deal with it. He, does, he brings us peace with God practically. Because when you go from being a lost sinner, estranged from God, to crossing a line of faith because of the work Jesus Christ did, and you step into the spiritual realm of eternity with life with God, he transforms your whole entire life. He transforms your years, your months, your days, your moments. He changes everything. Look at verse 2. Through him we've also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Well, that means we stand firm. That means we're secure. That means that we have a certain level of stability that we wouldn't otherwise have. And then also we get to rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. What? You can do that because of Jesus Christ. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Down to verse 9, second half, much more we shall be saved by him from the wrath of God. We can have a practical peace where we know that our sins are forgiven, our past. When I came to Christ, I was 16 years old, and I just had this profound realization that the life I'd lived previous to Christ was erased, and that I was complete and new and whole and had an eternity in heaven for me. But like I mentioned a second ago, it goes beyond that. That's been a few years ago, and my life is different. He has changed my years, my months, my days, my moments. He takes care of your present and he takes care of your future. You will be with Jesus forever. His wrath is removed from you because of Jesus Christ. It's amazing. And here's the thing. Everybody in the room, everybody here with us this morning can know this peace. 
It's not unique to me because I'm a pastor. It's not unique to anybody in here who's been around church for 50 years, 20 years, 10 years, 5 years. It's for everyone, and you can know it today how. He explained it. He indicated it. I see three ways you can know peace in your troubled times, whatever you're going through, whatever you're thinking about, your past, your present, or your eternity. The first way is by faith in Jesus Christ alone. Verse 1 and 2, Therefore, since we have been justified, how? By faith. Not by anything I've done, because Jesus does for me what I can't do for myself, and he does for you what you cannot do for yourself. You cannot pay for your sins. It would be if I owed a debt in the court of $10 million. I don't have $10 million. And some generous soul that I don't even know showed up in court and paid my fine, and the judge set me free. I would have to receive that payment by faith. That's what you need to do with Jesus Christ. You receive it by faith. There's nothing you can do for yourself. And when we do that, we have peace with God, the second half of the verse verse says. It's through faith, not by works. Works isn't peaceful, by the way. If you believe you can earn favor with God by your works, you know what that is? That's a burden. That's pressure. That's stress. That's difficulty and hardship. And it's not confidence. It's doubt because you can never know for sure if you've done enough. First John tells us that the whole entire book of First John, at least one of the reasons it was written, so that we can know that we have eternal life, so that we can know that we have peace with God. But it's in faith in Jesus Christ alone. Number two, it's through Christ's grace alone. There's nothing good within me that God looked down on when I was 16 years old or even now and says, you've performed awesome. He looks down at me and says, even though while you're still a sinner, even though you're less than you should be, even though you're less than I created humanity to be, even though you have sin in your life, I love you and I'm going to die for you. And that's simply by his merit. It's not anything I've done. It's nothing that you will do. God's grace pours into our lives. We cannot merit God's favor, and he grants it anyway. There's nothing we can do to earn it. And it's in those verses here where it talks about that we have peace with God by faith and that we step into his grace. We are saved not because we're so awesome, but because Jesus is. And if you don't know him today, it is my prayer and our church's prayer that you would take a step of faith, that you would recognize how much Jesus loves you and wants you to experience peace, not only in this life, but forever. And one day in heaven with a perfect peace in a place where there is no waking up sore and stiff, where there's no bills or world turmoil, where there's not pain, there's not even tears. It's just joy on steroids. It's perfection. It's beauty. It's everything that's good in complete wholeness, and only because of Jesus Christ can it be yours. And that's our prayer for you. But there's one more way you can know peace in troubled times. Again, you have to know Jesus Christ to have this. It's in his presence alone. There are so many things, so many possibilities in the world to try and find peace. But none of them are perfect, lasting, awesome, real, genuine peace. Jesus said toward the end of his life on earth, peace I leave with you. 
My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And the Bible says it's perfect peace. He says, you will, this is a promise from God, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. You ever been through a hard time, find yourself being at peace when really you shouldn't be? If you know Jesus Christ, you can. When, you know, I can't get into telling all the stories, but in, within two years, my oldest son and my wife both faced horrible health crisis. We found out a year after my wife recovered from her surgery that she had a 90% mortality rate with a, with a post-surgery issue. And both, both seasons were so hard. And yet we found ourselves, she and I and even our family, just at peace because we knew God had us. And the Bible talks about having that perfect peace when you stay focused on him. But in Philippians 4, 7, it says, when you pray, when you, when, you, when you are thankful to God, in other words, when you're fully dependent on Jesus, the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. And I really feel like that verse came alive in our, in our experience. That, that it, 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 I didn't understand it. People around us couldn't understand why we weren't weeping on our knees and sobbing every single day. And I can tell you, it's nothing inside of me. It's all because of Jesus Christ. And what's cool is that Jesus Christ is with us always is what the Bible says. He says, come unto me, you who are weak, weary, and heavy laden. We can know Jesus practically in the middle of these tumultuous times in your own personal crisis. And I don't doubt for a second that in the, every single crowd I'll speak to today, there's at least a handful of people going through it right now. And you can know Jesus. And you can know his peace and you might have to claim it 50 times a day. I know I've had those days where I'm robbed of my peace and I just capture it back by saying, Lord, I'm giving you this. But I might have to do it again in a half hour. And so I want you to think with me. If you don't mind bowing your heads, closing your eyes, if you can just think with me. And more than hearing from me, hear from God right now. Do you have peace with him legally and relationally? Do you sit here this morning before a holy and just God with confidence that you are his friend? If you don't, you can pray a prayer like this. I'll review it with you, and then I'll lead you in it in a second. You can pray a prayer that just says, Dear God, I know I don't have peace with you. Please forgive me. Come into my life and be my Savior and my Lord today. I want your peace. If you pray that prayer, or if you want to pray that prayer, more importantly, I'm going to say it again. And if you want peace with God on that legal and relational level, not to mimic a prayer, not to feel better, but to turn your life over to Jesus Christ because you know you can't do what you want done for yourself, that only he can do it. You can pray to yourself right now, that same prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Please forgive me for my sins. 
Come into my life. Be my Savior. And be my Lord. I commit to follow you today. Amen. And then if you know Jesus Christ, maybe you just discovered him today, and peace is not your reality. There's something going on. You've got inherent anxiety that you're just struggling to get over. You're personally in a health crisis. Somebody in your family's in a health crisis. You lost a loved one. I don't know what's going on. It could be any number of things, but I want you to know Jesus will show up and be your peace. And so as we close, I want to pray for you too. Jesus, I thank you for just a church full of friends. And I thank you that we can be friends with you. And I just pray if anybody received Christ, that the reality would just consume them. And then I know there's brothers and sisters in the room that are just struggling in so many different ways. It could be their own personal hurts, hangups, and habits. It could be what's going on around them. Maybe they're estranged from family. I don't know, but I know you know, and I just pray that you would saturate those situations with your peace and that people would reach out to you if they've let go of your hand, that they would take it back. If they've lost hope and faith, that they would hear these words that came right out of your Bible directly to them today and that they would praise you and rest in the peace you give. And then just help us to be agents of your peace here at this Christmas time. That we would pass out these invitations, that we would declare your goodness and your glory and your salvation, that we would invite people to church and that somehow you could use us. And in a small way, we would bring your peace to a hurting world so others can have peace in a troubled time. We thank you even for the possibility. In Jesus' name, amen.